Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You found us at www.dredhill.podbean.com, the host of This Week in the Word. We're so glad you're with us. And as we often say, we've said it a lot recently, let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. So I'm glad you're here. And let me tell you what we're going to look at today at This Week in the Word. We're in a series called Truth for Tough Times. You know, if we're going to go through tough times, and I believe in the future of the world, Christians are going to do that. Hey, everybody's going to do it, but Christians are not exempt from that. Even though I believe in the rapture of the church, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know how much trouble we're going to go through before that occurs. But nevertheless, irrelevant, uh, regardless of when that is, There are people right now who live for the Lord who are going through tough times. There are people who don't even know Jesus Christ going through tough times. You know what? When we go through a tough time, we need a prototype. This is someone who is an example to us. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote first in 2 Timothy to encourage and strengthen young Timothy who he had left behind to pastor one of the greatest churches of antiquity, the church at Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a large city, and it's in what we would call today modern-day Turkey. Let me tell you something right here. Great churches, they look, well, great from a distance, but up close, Timothy was learning that he was challenged to deal with heresy. That's false teaching from at least two well-known and admired teachers or elders in that church. And we'll see them mentioned at the end of this chapter. We don't know exactly who they were, but they must have been very influential if he had to deal with them. And uh, we notice also that he has to deal with the normal issues of teaching and applying uh, biblical truth, healthy teaching to the body of Christ, in the metropolitan and very cosmopolitan urban center of Ephesus. You know, if you know someone who is a pastor of a very large church in a very large city, that has a lot of challenges all of its own. Timothy would need reminding that God chooses whom he uses and that he empowers them to do the impossible. He doesn't expect them to do it. God does it through them. Things that they never thought they could do, God does through them. So Paul, to encourage Timothy and be a prototype and challenge him and just, uh, you know, give him something to hang on to, so to speak, Paul shares his story. And I want you to know that spiritually speaking, uh, strictly in religious terms, Paul had been a very religious man before he met the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a hot mess when God picked him, but God did pick him. Let's listen to Paul tell in a, a very brief way his own story to encourage Timothy. Because Timothy could be wondering right about now, Who am I to pastor a church like this? 
And Paul is going to give him a lot of encouragement from his own story. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to look today very briefly at verses 12 through 17. And we're going to see the prototype. A prototype is like a supermodel. I don't mean that kind of supermodel. I mean a model that that is so large and influential and encouraging that people can model their life after that. Uh, a prototype is someone who is an example, a display, a pattern to be copied in many ways. So Paul says here in 1 Timothy 1, starting in verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. <laughs> Imagine that, right? And we're going to see why this was so spectacular in a moment, but let's just stop right here. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you don't know Christian history very well, you might be saying, uh, maybe you're not even a Christian, you might be saying, well, isn't that the Jesus who was crucified, dead, and buried? Yep, but he rose from the dead on the third day, and over 500 people saw him and listened to him and spent time with him before he ascended back to heaven. So this Jesus is still alive, and he's not only risen, he's soon returning. And you can write that down on a rock and bury it. It will be found to be true. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath, notice it's not something that, uh, he's not thinking in terms of, of Jesus being dead and and he was inspired by his example and all this stuff that liberals talk about. He met Jesus Christ resurrected. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me. You know what that word enabled means? It means to, to empower, to put power into. Paul didn't become the Apostle Paul because he said, I think I'll be the Apostle Paul. That was Jesus' idea. <laughs> Jesus picked him, and Jesus empowered him. We get um, our word in English, dynamo, and uh, I guess you could say also the, the word of dynamic. We get our words from originally from this Greek word right here. Jesus empowered Paul to be this prototype. And he says, for that he counted me faithful, that is, as one having faith and trustworthy. And listen to this last phrase, putting me, and it, it has the idea of putting even me into the ministry. <laughs> wow. Verse 13. Now, here's why that was so amazing to the Apostle Paul, and I'm sure it was amazing to a lot of people. So let's read 12 and 13 together. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. 
Now, what has Paul told us about himself here in verse 13? He's, he told us three things. And you can read a lot more about him in the book of Acts and all of the letters that he wrote in the New Testament. And you can get an even more complete, comprehensive picture of what a rascal he was, even though he was religious, before he met Jesus. So he says, who was before a blasphemer? Now remember, he was uh, at the top of his class in terms of religion among the Jewish people. Who was before a blasphemer? What? He was at the top of his class as a one of the leading Jewish people in Jerusalem. He has studied under some of the greatest teachers that Judaism ever had. And he was a blasphemer? Yes, he spoke things about God that were not true. He degraded the reputation and name of God when he was attacking Christians. In fact, when he met the Lord Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, do you remember a little bit about that? If you don't, you can go in the book of Acts and read it. I think it's Acts chapter 9, I think, somewhere right in there. When he did that, <laughs> Paul cried out, you know, who are you, Lord? You know, who, who is talking to me? And Jesus said to him, the resurrected Jesus, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. When, when Paul said evil things about the Christians, and about Christ himself, he was blaspheming Jesus. He was blaspheming God. Jesus is God. Who was before a blasphemer, and that's pretty bad all on its own, but it gets worse, and a persecutor. Do you know what that word means in Greek? A persecutor. <laughs> he was somebody who persecuted others. And if you go back in the books, book of Acts, you'll find out that this was uh, very intense and vicious, as we'll see with the next word that he uses. Who is before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? Now, do you know what that word means? He was filled with violence against Christians and against Jesus Christ. And right about now, you should be saying, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, this guy is a church leader? Well, he was all of that before he met Christ. Once he met Christ, he was saved. He was completely transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ into the one that the Lord turned into the Apostle Paul. In fact, earlier, his name had been Saul, and he was given a new name. Paul, all right, who is before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, a violent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You know, a lot of people who are causing grief to other people, they think they're on the right path, but they are so very ignorant and walking in unbelief that they are actually persecuting the people of God and persecuting Jesus Christ. This is going on all over the world. 
but many of them are doing it just like Paul did, ignorantly in unbelief. Now, some are just evil, <laughs> but many think they're serving God, but they're not. They're doing this kind of violence to Christians and, and opposing the Lord Jesus Christ ignorantly in unbelief, just like the Apostle Paul. Are they too far gone? No way. Even they can be saved just like the Apostle Paul was. Look at verse 14. And the grace of our Lord, that's Jesus, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That phrase there, exceeding abundant, means that this grace that was shown to the Apostle Paul, that is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited grace of God, he says it was exceeding abundant. It was overflowing with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, one thing I've noticed about people who hate Christians and hate the Lord Jesus Christ is they're not overflowing with faith and love. You can trust me on that. They are miserable, vicious people. And Paul was like that until he met Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, and he was born again. His life was completely changed. And he began to, to be a, uh, a, a conduit, so to speak, of that very same faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, this is a faithful saying. You can bank on this. That basically is this thing. You can count on this being true. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, you know, sometimes we get mixed up. And we think that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save pretty good people. In fact, there's one false mystery religion that you probably know the name of, and their little tagline is they make good men better. No, they don't. All people are born as sinners, and apart from Christ, there's nothing good about us. Nothing, the book of Romans says, Jesus came not to save good men and make them better. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That word sinners means people who are off the track, off the path, have just wandered so far from where they should be. That's the ones Jesus came to save. And you know what? People who think they haven't done that, he didn't come to save them because they don't think they've done that. <laughs> now, once they realize they have, then all of a sudden they're candidates because they realize they've wandered off the track too and they're sinners just like everybody else. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen to this. Of whom I am chief. That word chief there, protos, it means First in line, number one. We're number one. That's what Paul was saying about himself. I'm number one. What's he saying? He's number one in, in being a hopeless sinner. 
Pastor Ed, I'm getting confused here. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about, right? I mean, you would think if he's going to be the Apostle Paul, there would be something about him spiritually or, or religiously that would recommend him to being chosen by Christ and then being used by Christ as the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary the world has ever known. You'd be wrong. <laughs> Listen, get it through our hearts. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners, that's right, of whom I am chief. In other words, if there was a big long line of all the sinners that would ever be in world history or ever could be, Paul said, I'm first in line. Wow. He had no illusions about the depth of his sin and his depravity and his hopelessness apart from Christ. He said, I'm the number one sinner, and I'll fight you about that. <laughs> he knew it. If somebody said, Paul, you are completely unworthy to be the Apostle Paul, he would have said, hey, I agree with you. He was number one in line. Remember, he was persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ and killing Christians. We know from the book of Acts that when they were put on trial as Jewish people who had abandoned Judaism and followed the Messiah Jesus, when they were tried by their religion for this, Paul cast his vote against them. There was one very well-known and especially exemplary Christian named Stephen who died a martyr's death. And you know who held the coats of the people that pelted Stephen with stones until he died and entered the presence of Christ? You know who held those coats? Paul, when he was named Saul, before he met Christ. But he was very religious, but he was killing people that Jesus Christ loved and had saved. This was Paul. This is why he could honestly say, that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. First, verse 16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy. I mean, like what incredible blessing, right? How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that, so here's the purpose of why he was saved, okay? and why he obtained mercy. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first, there he is first in line again, but it's a new line. Paul got out of the old line, now he's a first in a new line. Well, what is that? Well, howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first, same word, protos, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. That is macrothumia. It is a it is a massive patience, a, a massive, a huge, a large remaining under the load. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. You know, sometimes we think. Certain sinners, God has just about had it with them and is going to wipe them out. And one day that might happen and their own death may come before they know it. 
and it'll be too late. But you know what? Jesus Christ is not longing to lower the hammer on you. He's not. He came that you could be saved just like the Apostle Paul. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Here it is. Why did I call this episode the prototype? Here it is right here. For a pattern, a prototype, an example, um, something to be copied for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. I mean, basically, I think this is a, a pattern, a prototype. He's first in line. Now this, this new line of people that can come to Christ, he's a pattern to them in two ways. I, I would say at least two ways. Number one, that even the worst of the worst through Christ can become the best of the best, not on their own. I mean, Christ does this in them. So that's number one. And then number two, that that just like Paul trusted Christ and has everlasting life, they can too. That whereas they were born, like all of us have been born on the highway to hell, we're, we're already lost when we come into existence. And then we're born into this world and we're speeding toward eternal damnation on life's highway. And unless we get off of this highway to hell, we will end up in a Christless eternity in hell. Say, I don't believe that. Jesus believed it and he believed it so much that he came to die so that all who trust him and his finished work on the cross could get off of that highway by taking him as the exit ramp and never go there and end up in heaven with him forever. Wow. So Paul says that he's a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him, that is on Christ, to life everlasting. Then verse 17. You know, when, <laughs> when you get truly saved, you're born again, Jesus Christ comes to live in you and he lives through you and you now have present tense, eternal life, everlasting life right now. And even though your body may die, you will never die. You will live with him in heaven forever as a Christian. That's got to make you happy. <laughs> That's got to make you want to thank him. So Paul does. I mean, it's quite understandable. Now, under the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And can I get agreement? Amen. When you have come to Christ and you have been transformed and your whole 
eternity is transformed, you just have to praise him. Amen. And Paul did, and we do too, if we know him. I want to tell you as we close about three people, four people, that were changed and what God did in their lives. You know, Paul was a prototype that not only can you be saved, but God can use you. Not only does God choose you, but he can use you as well. And that's the encouragement Timothy needed. Timothy had been saved and he had been chosen by God and God was now going to use him in unbelievable ways to protect and nurture that church at Ephesus. And God does that even now in people's lives. I think of a a man, this may be a name that you do not know. His name was Chuck Colson. Now, Chuck Colson, as a young man, graduated from Brown University. He was an Ivy Leaguer. Very few people are privileged to be an Ivy Leaguer, but Chuck Colson was. But you know what? He had a problem. He was born a sinner, and he didn't know Jesus Christ. He was lost. He was an Ivy Leaguer, but he was a lost Ivy Leaguer. Also, a a greater distinction in my mind, since my son has been a Marine, is a Marine, he's retired, but once a Marine, always a Marine. Chuck Colson was a Marine officer in the Marine Corps in the United States. That is a very, very well-respected high honor, but he still had a problem. He didn't know God, and he kept trying to fill his life with achievement and money and success and all those things, and he was empty inside. He became even more than an Ivy Leaguer and a Marine. He became an attorney, and eventually, this is amazing, he became an advisor, one of the closest inner circles sit in the Oval Office advisors to a president of the United States. Almost nobody in the world can say they've been able to do that, right? But you know what? Chuck Colson, by following the path he was on, he ended up in big legal trouble. You can read about it in a book called Born Again, and I won't spoil it for you. But you know what? The legal trouble that he got into sent him to prison, and it was through all of this trouble he got into and everything that happened, that he met Jesus Christ, the risen, living Lord, personally. And it totally changed his life. And when Paul, uh, when Chuck Colson was let out of prison, he voluntarily went back to prison to work with hopeless prisoners, introducing many of them to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Read his story in the book, Born Again. Another person that I've heard of, I do not know him personally, I didn't know Chuck Colson personally for that matter, is a man named Frank Williams. Sounds harmless enough, right? I mean, how threatening can Frank Williams be, right? Frank Williams grew up in gang life in Birmingham, Alabama. But you know what? He moved from gang life to God life when he met Jesus Christ. God sent him back 
to the gangs and he would witness to anything that didn't move. He was leading drug pushers and drug addicts and prostitutes and just regular folk and anybody who would listen. He was leading them to Christ. And you know what? He did it so well. Actually, the Lord did it through him so well that it began to put a hurt on the money of the gains that they had been making on the drugs. One day he was confronted when he was out witnessing for Christ like this. Someone that he knew pulled out of his jacket a forty-five, and Frank Williams put it this way. This guy pulled out his forty-five, and he told me if I didn't quit leading people to Jesus, you know, that he was going to kill me. Threatened his life. He pulled out his forty-five, and I pulled out my sixty-six. <laughs> he pulled his Bible out and began to share Christ with that dude. And I think the guy ran off out of total fear, sissy. But anyway, Frank Williams became a, I don't even know if he's still alive today, but he became a shining witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in a very similar hopeless situation. Hey, if God can save Frank Williams, he could save you and he can use you. Amen. There's somebody else I want you to learn the name of, David Livingstone. That's L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E. If I took the time to tell you about this man, it would take me about an hour. So I'm just going to hit the high spots. He was born in the slums of Scotland. At the age of 10, he had to go to work in a cotton mill. He was totally poverty-stricken, but eventually he became a medical doctor and he learned theology. He earned, obviously, college degrees and he joined the London Missionary Society as a missionary doctor. He went to Africa and began to share Christ. He crossed the Kalahari Desert. He, He went up and down the Zambezi River. He tried to find the source of the Nile River, and he was a legend in the uh, Great Britain, a total legend. But his goal was to end slavery in Africa among the Islamic people and the African tribes. The Islamic people were taking the tribes, and the tribes were taking fellow tribesmen into slavery. And he knew that if he could help end that and bring Christian truth there and another way for people to earn good money, commerce, that everyone would be better and many would come to Christ. This man served the Lord so faithfully that he died weighing probably about 80 pounds. Today, there's a statue to him at Victoria Falls, which which he discovered as far as the rest of the world knew. They didn't know it existed. He discovered it for them. And a, a statue is there to his honor. And do you know that even though he was born in the slums of Scotland, that when he died, his body was taken back to London and he is buried in Westminster Abbey. And did you know 
that on that epitaph under his name, David Livingstone, is a quote that says, here lies living stone, talking about his relationship to Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, say, well, he must have led thousands to Christ. Well, he was an explorer, a medical doctor, a a preacher of Christ, a theologian. He was multi-talented. He went on speaking tours when he briefly went back occasionally to London. But do you know it's only known that he led only one person to Christ during all of these efforts? But that one person was the one through whom God worked to lead multitudes to Christ. And David Livingston is largely attributed to be the father of modern missions on the continent of Africa. One little kid who was born in the slums of Scotland. Wow. I think of someone else, a lady. Her name is Kay Arthur. Kay did not know Jesus Christ. And Kay was also a nurse. She went through a very difficult marriage, a very difficult time. I think if I remember correctly, her first husband committed suicide. Through all of these tragedies and pains and difficulties, the resurrected Lord came to Kay Arthur and she became born again. She was saved by Jesus Christ. And let me tell you over time, not all at once, what God did through Kay Arthur. She began to have a Bible study in the living room in Atlanta, Georgia, the living room of a Mary Kinzer. And women would come. It was an inductive Bible study. They had never seen anything like this. Sort of, uh, sort of like what I did. I didn't do as much as Kay normally does, but what I did earlier where I told you what the words meant and, and what that means and all of that, she just broke out the scriptures, broke them down verse by verse, word by word, and the women began to come to Christ and grow in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and how the Lord used them. And you know, over time, reach out with K, which is what that first ministry was called. It grew into what some of you may know today called Precept Ministries based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which has grounded hundreds of thousands, if not possibly millions of people in inductive Bible study, how to study the Bible for yourself and understand what it says and be absolutely certain about it. And that's what God did with that young nurse named Kay Arthur. You know, God can save you if you're lost today, and there's no telling what the Lord Jesus Christ can do through you once you come to him. And many of you listening, probably most of you are already believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet you have listened to the lies of Satan that you are so unworthy to be saved. And who are you to try to be used by God? And you need to just, you know, Satan can't stop you now from being saved, so he wants to stop you from being used. Don't listen to him. There's no telling 
what the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen, empowering Lord Jesus Christ wants to do and will do through you. It might not be the same level of things as these people I've mentioned, but it could be. It could be something even greater. But whatever it is, it'll be his purpose for you. I want you, like young Timothy hopefully was, I believe he was, to be encouraged that we have prototypes. Paul was a prototype to Timothy and everyone else. And I've mentioned some others here later in time that are also prototypes to those that look at their life. I want you to be encouraged that God not only chooses you, he wants to use you. Amen. Here's a phone number if you want to know more about coming to personal faith in Jesus Christ. 877-247-2426. Now, you will not be calling me, but you will call a ministry which will answer your questions, and they can help you place your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. No more guessing or dread or hoping. You can know Instead of following Satan down the highway of hell, which you're already on, and being condemned to an eternal hell with him, I mean, not like, think about it. Not only are you in hell, you're there with him. How, what a bummer. Instead, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with God. Call that number. Or you can go to chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com. You know, in Romans 3.23, God writes, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you and all of us, right? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 10 verse 13 says, If you're wondering, can even you call on the Lord? Hey, listen to this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, even you. How about that? Listen, I'm glad you listened today, and I hope however the Lord wants to use this in your life that you will let him use this to encourage you, to ground you, perhaps even to save you. And if you're already saved, to use you in whatever way he chooses. Let him do that. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please like this episode and follow this podcast and share it right where you are right now with someone else who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Bye-bye.